one. Good evening and welcome to this evening's slobber knocker where the winner walks away a champion and the loser runs like a scalded dog after getting beat by a government mule. Antonio Sanciolo, Michael Krug, Marco Selmo, Tony Bishop, and Christian Walker all crazy as a pet coon for major spoilers and each one wants to be the faithful spoilerite champion. Stone cold, stone cold, stone cold, and this one goes out to them by God. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. And I'm Zach. In this Issue! Stop thief! No welcome wagon! Hello stranger with the good coffee flavor for you! Offer expires while you wait! Operators are standing by! Behove this sound of Irish sense! Really? Here English might be seen! Royally, one sovereign pun to Petery Pence. Regally, the silence speaks to scene fake. Ham sandwich, bucket and water, plastic, Duralex, rubber, Mac Fisheries underwear. Remember, dinosaur means lunch. That'll put the marzipan in your pie plate. Bingo, the major spoilers, podcast, nose, baseball, hieroglyphic hopscotch pouch, and a moose once bit my sister. It's okay, ladies and gentlemen. Matthew is just having a reaction to too much sugar. <laughs> It happens occasionally. We try to talk him down, but occasionally blatherings that mean nothing come out of his mouth. Welcome to the Major Spoilers Podcast. Issue 470 is the one that you are listening to. This week we will be looking at uh, Flea from, I think it's Archaea or Arcana. I forget which one. Archaea and Arcana. One of those two later in the show, but first let's get to some news. Look out, the Age of Ultron is upon us. Ah! Twinkies! Ah! And Oz, the great and powerful trailer, arrives. Let's spin that Oz! wheel of destiny and see where it falls. See the last one I said, Oz. That mm-hmm. joke. Mint. Here it lands on number two, Twinkies. Ah, Twinkies. The the uh, what is that? What is that company? The musical fruit. <laughs> Hostess. Hostess brand is trying, trying as hard as they can to declare bankruptcy so they can fire everybody, 18,000 people, and sell off all of their stuff, including the precious Twinkies. But the judge right now is saying, go back and mediate this thing. You guys got until the 21st. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go and talk this out. Make it work. Save 18,000 jobs. But well, what about our precious Twinkies? What about them? You know, I haven't eaten a Twinkie in... I know it doesn't look like it, but my God, it's been years since I've eaten a Twinkie. That's... Or a fruit pie. Probably been I don't a... know. They still make the fruit pies? Yeah, they do. Yep. Oh, okay. That's what uh, that's what they have at gas stations. That's that's uh, Prop, propping up propping up the cash register. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is always this, hated this fruit pies because you bite into them and the whole thing just crumbled into a million pieces, yeah, and then you've and got gooey pieces, cherry pie filling all over your hands. Uh, yeah. This would be the second time in the 21st century that Hostess has actually tried to declare bankruptcy because they actually successfully well. I, I say they, the corporation that is or was hostess successfully fired bankruptcy in 2005 when they moved the stuff away from Kansas City. Apparently, but, people were trying to sell Twinkies for like $100 a box. <laughs> which yesterday. is at clownery, and they should be ashamed of Well, this. first of all, first of all, they're going to, if the, Twinkie isn't going away, the hostess ding dong isn't going away, the fruit pies isn't going away. They will sell all that stuff off in order right. to oh, yeah. liquidate or whatever they have to do. Number one. Number two, there are a million different knockoffs of right. those that are coming right. out. 
The one thing that if Hasbro go or not Hasbro, ah, if Hostess does go into bankruptcy, the one thing that we're going to miss out on are all of those ads that are disguised as comic stories that pop up in the middle of our comics and throw us off. Right. Dude, those haven't been around in 30 years. And, and there's and, a reason those, for that, too. And those have been around as other things, usually as shoes. True. Shoes. Hostess fruit pies have been around as shoes. <laughs> yes, also but that. The thing, the thing that most people don't realize is uh, some people are like, well, I'm just going to eat Dolly Madison. Well, no. Hostess owns Dolly Madison. And then one guy was like, well, I'll just eat my Drake's coffee cakes. And I'm like, I got sour news for you, Jack. Hostess owns that, too. So basically, you know, what we're looking at is something where a lot of, quote unquote, intellectual property has fallen under, you know, this this particular thing. If Hostess is successful in filing bankruptcy, I'm sure somebody, uh, the, the guys who make Gancitos, will buy them out. And there will not even be a break in the Twinkie supply because the Twinkies that we're eating now. Can we even? Nice I can't even find Twinkies at our Walmart. <coughs> yeah, Twinkies. Uh, Walmart, have you sell. looked for them? Yeah, I look up and down the aisle where they have all the snack cakes and everything. You know when they uh, had glow balls back with the Green Lantern and the Flash right, right. and the Flash balls or whatever they were. Flash balls. Never got any of those here. Got no green you know, glow balls. Fastest, fastest balls alive. <laughs> well, you have to remember two things. One, you're probably looking in the food aisle, which is not where one finds Twinkies. And two, it's the Walmart in Hayes, Kansas. Yeah, it's it's in the snack there aisle. There are random gaps. It's it's the snack aisle in in the same place where you buy all your ding dongs and where the the Swiss rolls and the other things are all there. Mm-hmm. You said Swiss roll. <laughs> That's a thing. <laughs> Gentleman came in the other day asking for a Swiss roll, and I told him, "Sir, this is not that kind of establishment." <laughs> <laughs> then he showed us his ding dong. Yeah. Do we miss the uh, the hostess ads disguised I, as a fun-loving story? I loved the hostess ads, and I used to collect the hostess ads. Um, I have uh, somewhere in a long box somewhere, I have a bunch of books that are solely together because of the hostess ads. Because How many hostess ads were made? Oh, a couple hundred. I know there was one that was pretty awesome. It was a Frank Miller Daredevil hostess ad. Um, and there's, there's some rare ones with the Billy Batson, Captain Marvel. Every once in a while, you'd run into uh, the very hard to find Hawkman hostess ad. It, the thing about the hostess ads, and I think the thing about the hostess bankruptcy that people are responding to, most of us haven't eaten a Twinkie in months, years. I probably Eat one the this fattest, afternoon. <laughs> no, probably the fattest person you know or will ever know. I haven't had a Twinkie in. Six, eight months, and when I did, it was actually one of those raspberry coconut Twinkies, and it kind of made me sick. I think they're called, so, those aren't the Zingers. What are those? Yeah, called? those are Zingers. Dolly Madison Zingers. Yeah, Zingers are pretty good. Well, that's not really a Twinkie, though. That's not it's a Twinkie. It's a Twinkie. a Twinkie covered in coconut with, uh, it, it really is a Twinkie with, uh, well, red yes, but lots of it. things are technically a Twinkie. I mean, but you could, you could, ar- you could argue no, that I'm not thinking cupcakes Zingers are, are the chocolate Twinkie, ones, except they're chocolate. The, the red ones with the coconut are zingers, but here's the deal. A, that company is now owned by Hostess, and B, they're made of the same stuff. It's basically a Twinkie covered in red glork, which is supposed to be raspberry flavor. Yeah, boy. And now that they're under the same roof, they actually make them in the same places in the same factories. 234 different Hostess ads appeared over the years. There you go. Some of them in Archie, some of them with Aquaman, Batman, Bugs Bunny, Captain America... Captain yep. Marvel in Energy Crisis. 
Yep. Oh boy, check. Oh, oh, that's not yeah. uh, that's not Shazam. That's actually Captain. No, Marvel. it's Captain Marvel. Marvel. Captain that's Marvel. Marvel. Uh, yeah. Casper the Friendly Ghost. Cracky. Do they have the one with Cookie Lemu? Cracky. Wonder Woman fights Cookie Lemu with art by Kurt Swan. Uh, let's see. Wonder Woman and the Baron. Wonder Woman and the Maltese Cupcake. Wonder okay. Woman in Cookie La- Lemu. Cookie Lemu was her name. Cookie Lemu on Broadway. She was a giant, um, I don't know if she was a film star or what. Times Square, Steve Trevor posing for the publicity photo accidentally touches the wrong wire and creates a short circuit on a huge electric poster, Cookie Lamu. The movie star electric sign strangely comes to life and becomes Cookie Lamu, grotesque movie star, 60 feet tall, and goes berserk. And here she is grabbing uh, uh, Steve Trevor. I'm a big star. Steve uh, Howard, you be my press agent. Help. Yeah, Steve Trevor is Steve Howard. Same guy. Help. Cookie Lamu's escape from the movie sign. She's gone crazy. Aye-ya! And then we see uh, Wonder Woman <laughs> suffering Sappho. It's my darling Steve, as they say in the comics. This is a job for Wonder Woman, but really... Flexing her slender, sinewy muscles, Wonder Woman spins her magic lasso, and before the lasso can do its magic, Cookie pulls Wonder Woman up to her. There's no way for a movie star to behave. Think of your image, dear. Yes, my image. Then Steve Trevor says, now's my chance. Cookie, have a Twinkie snack cake from Hostess. Who can resist that golden sponge cake with cream filling? Come up and see me again with more Twinkie snack cakes. (laughs) <laughs> Happy Hermes, says Wonder Woman, still ha- uh, my lasso still has its magic, and Twinkie snack cakes are still delicious, on or off Broadway. Cookie Lemu, when you're, n- <laughs> when you're nice, we love you, and Twinkie snack cakes, we always love you. Smile, click. You get a big delight in every bite of Hostess Twinkie snack cakes. Gee, thanks, Dad. Next week we can read the Super Toad story. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What a wonderful uh, little bit of awesome. history. Awesome. Uh, I was trying to, let me go back Steve and see Trevor what. Steve Trevor actually died in the 1970s and was resurrected as Steve Howard. Well, it's funny because they say Steve Trevor mm-hmm. in the bit, and then they say Steve Howard is what Cookie yes. Lemu calls him. Because he was resurrected, and uh, at the time of that story, he was technically Steve Howard. It was probably uh, the copy editor caught one, but not the other. This is really nice, uh, the little registered trademark uh, back then. I'm trying to find the date on this. It doesn't say. 77. Hostess and Twinkies are registered trademarks of ITT Continental Baking Company. Mm. Yep. They went out of business, you know. Yeah, I was trying to find a, find a date on that. That's funny. You can head and over to- eventually uh, became a technology institute. TomHeroes.com slash comic ads is where you nice. can find all 234 of these if you want to go back in time. Here's here's the the real upshot of it. Josie and the Lots Pussycats. of companies have gone out of business, and I think that somebody will snap them up and Hostess Twinkies will stick around, and it will give the hipsters a chance to say they changed it now, they suck, and it will give those of us who haven't tried a Twinkie in three years a chance to buy a box for $7 and realize they're not worth it. But most importantly, what it will do is change nothing. Oh, well, that's pretty much everything. No, I wanna, everything is status quo. I want to see some hostess ads on more modern comics. Like, hey, Wee Huey, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to see Mother's Milk. He invited me to his house for some Twinkies. Hey, what's the stuff we're drinking, dude? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Marv, 
as your last meal, would you like a hostess fruit pie? I want to see Albert, her. That yellow bastard loves <laughs> hostess fruit pies, especially lemon. Horse, 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 horse. <laughs> that one's actually written by Frank Miller. <laughs> yep. Oh, my goodness. So many great bits of memories. Hey, Vampirella. Yeah. <laughs> Is that blood on your chin? No, it's Hostess Fruit Pie. Mm. Wendy the Good Witch brightens up the night. Even insects love Hostess Fruit Pies. Nice. And you don't want to know what's up with the cherry Pop-Tart version. Yes. Oh, boy, I hope that's cream filling. All right, everybody, that about wraps it up. You can head over to Major Spoilers for more news. That are uh, that uh, more importance, including the Age of Ultron, where <gasps> Brian Michael Bendis promises us that nothing will ever be the same again. again. Yes, I we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get to some more news. How to get a major spoilers shout out? If you want to get a personalized shout out at the top of the show, all you have to do is the following steps. Number one, visit majorspoilers.com. Two, click on the Make a Donation button. Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, sit back and relax and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 2006. Thanks to everyone who is a regular contributor. We appreciate you, each and every one of you. And if you're looking to buy some things for the holidays, I'll shout this out now. Head over to SlashLoot.com, where you can find official Critical Hit t-shirts. All five of them. Wow. We featured them before over at Majorspoilers.com. The art by Thomas Perkins. Wonderful art by Emmy Award winning Thomas Perkins. You may have seen his work in Ben 10 and Adventures, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, and the upcoming, what is it, Batman? Beware of the Batman. Beware the Batman. Was he actually, was he actually Beware I think the Batman? that's what it's called. Beware the, the something. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. Batman Strikes, because that was the old one. So it's right, right. Be it is Beware of the Batman. I was I was questioning whether he actually worked on that. I think he did, yeah. Okay. Green Lantern. He worked He worked on uh, the the latest Green, Green Lantern uh, yeah, yeah. CG stuff. He did a bunch of designs for us, five of them, one for each of your favorite critical hit characters. Slashloot.com has them uh, available for shipping now, internationally, around the world. Not to All the moon, though. favorites and Ket. Not the moon, though. Yep. Let's get to Why some reviews. Uh, because uh, government cut funding to NASA, so we can no longer send packages to NASA or to the. By the way, Rob, I know you're listening. That was a cheap shot, and for that, I apologize. Yeah, eight months and from now, he's going to be really upset at you. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is a future people. All right, so people are asking, "Where is Young Zach? Young Zach, you haven't eighty-sixed Young Zach, have you? No, we have yep. not. No. Young Zach he's is uh, the gutters. He's cruising it away down in the uh, Caribbean or the Caribbean." depending on which way you want to say it, with his caramels or his caramels. Mm. Which is which is Drinking right. lots of rum, apparently, he said. So he's having a good time. He will be back after the holiday break. can't drink rum. Uh, once you get into international waters, they pretty much allow you to do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get a big delight in every bite of this enormous handful of hash that Zach picked. No. <laughs> Let's get to some reviews. Review. Let's uh, take a look at the uh, offerings this week from Dark Horse Comics, Boom Studios, and IDW Publishing. Let's start with our friends over at Dark Horse Comics. Ripid, City of the Dam, number one. These are all coming yeah. out this week, I think, right, Rodrigo? 
I think so, yeah. Okay, cool. You sure it's not R.I.P.D.? Oh, maybe that's what it is. I, I think that's what it is. So, R.I.P.D., City of the Dam, number one. So, this comic opens with some fighty-fighty, and it's all like, pew, 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 oh, no! And then we get to what happened, which is the story. <laughs> and in the story, there's at least time. one guy who is important. Um, at least one? At least one important person. Now, uh, R.I.P.D., which, which stands for something. Rest in peace, dude. Uh, it actually pretty much it actually stands for rest in peace department. Yeah. I saw um, the solicitation for this. It looks kind of cool. Yeah, it does. Uh and and basically what it is is you get recruited and then when you die and then your job is to keep other dead guys from running amok. Like you basically you're supposed to go kill them. Mm-hmm. Um which is fun. Um, it's not like it's 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 a variation on a on a concept that I think we've seen before in other places. But the execution is really good. I really like the art. Um, you know, they have a scene where you go to RIPD headquarters, and there's all kinds of is there guys a devil from guy all with other. A giant hand? There is not. Um, but this isn't really like a Hellboy riff. This is more of like a Reaper riff. Oh, I was going to say if, also if you Dylan Dog. If you want to put it now, if you want to put it in terms of, of things that Steven likes, I guess it's it's like um, we haven't met the Missy Peregrim character yet, but I'm sure we will. <laughs> oh, Missy Peregrim. Yes. Such a hottie. Yes. Um, I Agreed. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, n- there's a lot of exposition in this, and it ends with a spooky cloud. So, I mean, I'm interested to see what the deal is with the spooky cloud. But, um... Isn't he a character from uh, Dragon Ball Z? Uh, no, you are thinking of Dr. Spooky, spooky Cloud. cloud. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Spooky Von Cloud. <laughs> he splits into two different guys. One of them is called Dr. <clears throat> spooky, and the other one's called... Von Doctor Spooky. <laughs> they have three different forms each, so it's yeah. like nine guys. Anyway, um, he's the Decepticon, right? Yes. Anyway, yes, this is pretty okay. I'm interested in it. I'll give it three slices of meatloaf. It's definitely something that could go in a good direction. There wasn't anything that was grown worthy in this one, which I think, you know, sometimes when it's a first issue, and right away they're throwing all the concepts in front of you. Yeah. Someone says, like, all right, guys, dial it back. Right, right, right. This did move really fast. You basically have two time jumps in within the, just within this first issue, but it's not bad. Cool. Three out of five stars from Rodrigo for RIPD City of the Dam, number one. You're going to pick up number two? Yes. Excellent. Assuming they send it to us. <laughs> I'm sure they will. It's Dark Horse. They send us a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's nice of it. Good, good people nice. we over at Dark Horse. We really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. And gives us something to review each week. Just like I like it when IDW sends us stuff, because mm-hmm. it also gives us something to review this week, including Rocketeer Cargo of Doom number four. Whoa. Mark Wade, Chris Samney. Holy cow. This is this. You know, last time I was, uh, the way the issue ended, uh, last time we were talking about it, I was like, man, this feels like this could just be the end of this issue. Nope. One more issue Chris Samney wrote to me. And boy, what a doozy this last issue is. It's Cliff Secord fighting dinosaurs that have overrun Los Angeles. 
and he's blowing them away with a ray gun and he's getting help from uh, PV's uh, niece, uh, what's her face? Um, and also, uh, whatever her name is. Uh, and also the uh, the FBI guy uh, that's been helping out. And we find out why those two are always acting so cagey around uh, Betty Page. Uh, they're worried that uh, <laughs> they're worried that she's going to weasel out uh, the real identity of the Rocketeer. And of course, Betty already knows that. But if there's nothing else that makes this issue just stand up and make me say bravo to Wade and Samney is dropping two names in this issue. The first one is uh, some mysterious voice that they're talking to in New York about where the arrival is. And the only name that we get is Trask. Now, do we know of anyone who is a megalomaniac by the name of Trask that maybe lives in New York City? Oh, is it the guy from The Phantom? Mm, I don't think so. Oh. I keep thinking of Marvel characters. Oh, yeah. Bo- Bo- Boulevard, Boulevard, Boulevard Trask. Trask. And I keep going, oh, that's, that's, that's kind of a nice little, and I went and did a little looking. It's like, ah, that could fit as a name. But the one that really sets it off, and they don't get to say it outright, kind of like... Um, Kind of like Dave Stevens never said it outright, but we kind of know who created the Rocketeer pack Mm -hmm. in uh, the Rocketeer universe. Right. And that's Doc Savage, not Howard Hughes, like the Uh, movie portrays, uh, but Doc Savage. And they never say it. You have to read the the uh, issue called uh, Cliff's Adventures in New York, I think, is is the uh, right one shot or he meets not the shadow. Well, he meets not uh, Monk and not Ham Mm -hmm. to a Doc Savage sidekick. So all along, the guy that's been uh, been called the master uh, that was killed off last issue. The master will not like Yeah, yeah. Not, not quite that. Because at one point, the person over the phone says, let me speak to John's son. And then he gets cut off. Well, John's <gasps> sunlight is Doc Savage's big enemy. The only one that Doc Savage doesn't shoot in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he does die. You know, he does end up dying in issue three. And those two name drops to me in the first three pages of the book, I was like, bravo. Excellent storytelling, Mark Wade. Way to drop that little nugget in there for people who pay attention to what's going on with the Rocketeer and and know that little nod, nod and wink to Doc Savage and the creation of the of the the Rocket Pack. Uh, art by Chris Samney is fantastic. As always, the adventure as Cliff fights these dinosaurs is really good. And then there's a little cliffhanger that puts at least one of our new characters in jeopardy. Is that a pun? No. Cliffhanger? Yes. It's a cliffhanger for Cliff. Hanging from this. Four and a half slices of meatloaf for me. This issue ends in a C-chord moment. <laughs> where Cliff basically says Z-Cord out yep. uh, Rocketeer Cargo of Doom number four uh, four and a half slices of meatloaf for me great book pick up the four issue miniseries there's another miniseries that's kicking off I don't know what Wade and Samney if they're doing any other Rocketeer stuff next but there is a brand new uh, Rocketeer miniseries kicking off in I want to say February it's called the Hollywood Horror and I can't wait to see what uh What's the Rocketeer and the exciting adjective of noun. Let's go visit our friends over at Boom Studios. Also another Mark Wade title this week. Boom Studios. Another Mark Wade title. And another concept set somewhere that may or may not be the past of the future. 
Uh, Boom Studios released a couple of months ago the first issue of Steed and Mrs. Peel, a book which sadly cannot be called The Avengers in comic book format, but was called The Avengers when it was on TV. Um, I love Wade when he's doing that weird thing that he does. This book is an Avengers story. The Avengers uh, television series took place in the 60s. This may be the 60s. It may not be the 60s. There's never anything to confirm or deny when it happens. It just sort of happens, and I kind of love that. Uh, this is the end of that first story arc. In previous issues, Steed and Mrs. Peel came across a strange murder, woke up, and the world had ended. Nuclear war had happened. London was destroyed, there was a holocaust, and now zombie-radiated creatures have chased them into an underground bunker where they have found the Hellfire Club and the, that leader, John Cartney. Those of you who know about the Hellfire Club in X-Men know actually about this story as well. The Hellfire Club from X-Men actually came from an episode of The Avengers mm -hmm. about the Hellfire Club, and Emma Peel is the namesake of Emma Frost, the White Queen. So I did that. And at the end of last issue, the bad guys actually reawakened Emma's brainwashed state as the, the well, the queen of hearts, I believe, or the queen of evil. I don't remember. It's been a very long time. But at the, the end of last issue, John Steed is on his back and Emma's going to kill him with a whip. No, a whip. And I'm like, that's nice work if you can get it. Dude, if you could get away with that, oh. By the way, I, I want to say up front, I am completely in love with uh, Dame Diana Rigg, even now that she's 110. She's a very, very striking woman. And the really, for me, the success of any book based on the Avengers is going to be the likeness of Patrick McNee and Diana Rigg. And Will Sliney is the artist. He does a very good job. It's very difficult to draw either of those actors Part of the reason the show is successful is because they are so unique looking. And while it's not 100% perfect from page to page, they do really, really good work throughout this issue. And, of course, there's some fighty-fighty. There's some Emma Peel in a super tight leather corset and underpants. So a little of the fan service going on. And throughout the issue, we start to see the story unravel a little bit this quote-unquote post-apocalyptic reality where the bomb has gone off mm -hmm. and all of the members of parliament have been shuttled away to safety and hidden in these bunkers, things are starting to make less and less sense. And so Steed and Mrs. Peel fight one another and then fight the bad guys and then run off into the night. It's really, really well done. And it's difficult to do the banter that the characters have the back and forth the oh well bloody well the job well done a grand x yes well the thing that is so very british and so very awesome about that show and also that really little tiny bit of flirtiness that's always under the surface wait does really well it looks good it reads good we get to the end and while it's a great ending it's not necessarily Thunderbolt from the blue shocking. It's more all the pieces come together like a nice Ellery Queen story. So we find out what's going on with the apocalypse, what's going on with the bad guys. Emma does some high kicks and some very tight leather. 
Steed makes some remarks and they ride off into the sunset together as they should. And the last line of the episode, of course, is lie back and think of England, which truly, truly amazing. I loved this book. (laughs) I've loved every issue of this book, honestly, because it's so atypical of what we're getting in comics these days. It's very character driven. It's adventure without being whoosh. Oh my God. Robots from the sky. Ah, and now space monkeys are attacking. And it's very well done. It's very true to the series as I remember it, which I very much like. And Emma Peel looks like Emma Peel throughout. She's even wearing what seems to be a color reverse version of Bruce Lee's black and yellow uh, fighting togs in this issue, which was kind of nice as well. I'm going to go with four slices of meatloaf. Very, very good issue. All right. From Boom Studios. Steed and Mrs. Peel, number three, out tomorrow, I believe. Yep. Out this week, depending on when you're listening. October, November 21st, 2012. October, November. And, listeners, you may have heard the news that DC Comics is releasing (laughs) their digital uh, comics on more platforms than just the iPad. Same way with Dark Horse. Dark Horse announced that as well, so you can now get your... Digital DC Comics on the iPad, the Kindle, the Nook. Uh, Dark Horse is putting everything out on the Kindle as well. And if you're looking to buy a Kindle Fire for the holidays or if you're looking to buy an iPad for the holidays, do us a favor. Head over to Majorspoilers.com. Not only will you find a ton more reviews over a lot of different books that we've read over the last week, you'll also find a link to Amazon.com. And you can click on that Amazon.com link. You can go buy your Kindle. You can go buy your iPad. You can go buy all of your accessories. Heck, maybe you want to buy some physical copies of these books. Maybe you want to go and get the Cargo of Doom trade paperback. Maybe you want to go and get uh, uh, Flea. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's only like 10 bucks, I think, at, at Amazon right now. Click on that link. Make your purchases normal. We get a little credit. Helps us continue to do the things that we do for hopefully a lot, lot, lot longer than what uh, our current budget is showing that we're going to be able to do Mm. this stuff. (laughs) And everybody is happy. That's Amazon.com. That link, Majorspoilers.com. We thank you for your support. Oh, this week is a big holiday week. Mm Mm-hmm. For some people. At least here in the United States. Yes, in the United States it is. For Americans. I believe Canadian Thanksgiving is April the 3rd. It was like last month, month ago. I think is when uh, Canadian Thanksgiving Thanksgiving is actually celebrated on February 29th when the bells ring. And because it is a holiday and because this week is a holiday week, Mm -hmm. it means it's now time for the major spoilers poll of the week. It's time. For an awkward silence. Which is uh, which is pretty much what does happen on Thanksgiving. Yeah, sure, pretty much. Sure. Which is probably why you need tryptophan, the yeah, uh, anti-depis- antidepressant drug. By the way, to get I, you through I, the I holidays. Think tryptophan is spelled a little, a little different. No, that's uh, tryptophan. That is the antidepressant, the thing that a lot of people go through during the holidays. Are you Are you sure? Yep, tryptophan. I've never heard of it spelled like that. I've always spelled. If you're it talking about tryptophan, which is the drug found in turkeys that make you go to sleep, that's a different spelling. Ah. But tryptophan is an antidepressant. And I know that whenever I go visit families during the holidays, (laughs) I need an antidepressant. Well played, my friend. Well played. (laughs) And usually when you go visit people for the holidays, you have a lot of food. And often it takes the form of a turkey Thanksgiving dinner. And we want to know, what is your favorite Thanksgiving food? Rodrigo? 
Uh, let's see. Where are we my have a, we have here? on the list? We have turkey stuffing, mashed potatoes, dinner rolls, cranberry sauce, pumpkin pie, yams or squash, squash. Uh, green bean casserole, deviled eggs, corn cobbed or otherwise or other. Squash. And if you selected other, you were supposed to go into the comments section and tell us what is that other food. Um, this is this is difficult for me because usually I'm not a big fan of pretty much any of these things. Um, I guess I like turkey if it's, I had a, um, I went to somebody's house for Thanksgiving once and they did a, uh, deep, like oh, deep, deep fried, fried turkey yeah. and that turned yeah. out really well. Mm-hmm. Crispy on the outside, furkies. juicy on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was probably one of the best Thanksgiving turkeys I've had. Um, I, I like, uh, the, um, just kind of the white meat out of the turkey. Really? You're not a dark meat fan? Not really. Mm. I mean, I'll eat it. You put anything in front of me and I'll eat it. <laughs> um, I, you know, for me, Thanksgiving is really strange because... Um, You're not from the United I'm not, States. I'm not from, from the United I'm not from the United States. And when I had Thanksgiving at my house with my parents, we our very first Thanksgiving, we had turkey and then we were like, ah, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. so much turkey here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, when are we going to finish all these turkey? <laughs> so we ended up like after that... <laughs> Because we got sick of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you eat a yeah. whole you, turkey. Yeah, yeah. Over the do. course of six you, uh, weeks. Yeah, and it's like, bah, who can eat this much turkey? Like, there's a reason why chicken has largely taken over as a primary fowl. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that and, you know, they're easier to raise, I bet. Gaminess. Yes. Serious gaminess issues. So, you know, after that, we would just have whatever for Thanksgiving. Yeah. We would just decide on something else, and we'd have that. So, uh, the the Thanksgiving spread... Seems very arbitrary to me. It's like, I can see the turkey, like having your one, like iconic meat substance, right. like that turkey for Thanksgiving, ham for Easter. Yeah. What do you eat for Christmas? Um, goose. Like, I guess. Yeah, you eat goose for Christmas. Oh, there you go. Um, well, historically like, speaking. Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, I can see that, but like, you know, green bean casserole just seems so random. Don't ask me how it started. I mean that 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 just seems like why green beans. I mean, I can see having a casserole of some kind. Sure, sure. But it's like very specific. Yeah, I think it's because of the crunchy onion topping with the with the mushroom soup and beans floating in it. Well, yes. But it could just as easily be anything else. It could yeah, be could clam too. chowder. Could be. You know, oysters are often a an item that appear well, on the Thanksgiving dinner. Right. Well, list. Green bean casserole actually is a very, very recent dish. It's like 50, 60 yeah, years old. Yeah, it's probably, I was going to say, 40 years tops. Yeah. And I believe it was one of those things that was uh, created as a uh, sales thing by Campbell's. I, I think, I honestly, I believe you're right. And same way with uh, who makes those crunchy onion toppings. They have a big yeah. stake in that. I mean, that's where so they- I think the same company owns those Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, the, the vertical integration. No. So what is your family? It's Hostess. Yeah, vertical They're all owned by Hostess. Yeah. So you, for you, 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 Turkey would be the one that you would pick? Yes. If you had to pick something off that list? Yeah, because... What if you had to pick something off the other? Is there something else that if you sat down and said, Rodrigo, come over for Thanksgiving dinner, and you're just like, oh boy, oh boy, I sure hope they have mm, on the table. Something else that is Thanksgiving-y? Yeah. Um, sure hope they have... I don't know. Uh, something that's beef? Pepper Jack. Beef? I mean, is there any equivalent um, type ceremony in Mexican tradition? Um, the, the sit down and eat till you burst thing. 
Well, yeah, but therefore, it's for specific stuff. I mean, there isn't a Thanksgiving uh, holiday, um, which is, you know, so there's obviously, you know, the majority of Mexico is, is Catholic. So there are plenty of holidays during which you sit down with your family and eat and you are thankful right. for things because that's part of the whole process yeah. is, is praying <laughs> right. before you eat and giving thanks for the food you have. So I'm guessing that, you know, countries that are uniformly one religion are usually not that big on Thanksgiving because they're like, we do this all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have a, is there a traditional food that you like? That not necessarily Thanksgiving. Do you have a traditional food favorite? Um, in in my house, when we get together, usually for like Christmas and New Year, we eat a lot of seafood. Mm, like we mm-hmm. go out of our way to try to track down more seafood than usual. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because uh, in Ohio and here in Kansas, um, it's rare and expensive. You oh, know, yeah. whereas it's something that back when we lived in Mexico was really easy to find. So we kind of try and treat ourselves and have more seafood than usual. Cool. Except for my sister, who's violently allergic, <laughs> which is kind of so bad she just, for her. She just sits now, there. Does she and, get allergic just from the smell of it, or just like the, even even contact? Oh, will really? get wow. her. We'll get her going. Wow. Yeah. No. Whole, whole different story. Like, let's let remind me to tell you a story about uh, how sh- fish made her allergic to milk. Oh yeah, I think you told us this yeah. before. And what about the nephews? They're not allergic to fish. Uh, they don't seem to be. If they are, uh, they must be eating it so quickly that <laughs> it doesn't even touch their, you know, yeah, yeah. mouth. Yeah, just whoosh. Yep. Uh, growing up and eating at the uh, grandparents every holiday, of course, lots of family always showing up. The one thing that I always look forward to were just the, these plain off-the-shelf dinner rolls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, just the, these bacon serves that every time I try to do them or brown and serves, I always burn one end or the other. But my grandmother could make sure that they were brown all the way around and not burnt, and you burst them open, you throw some jelly or something on. That was like my favorite thing of the uh, of the Thanksgiving. D- didn't matter about the turkey, didn't matter because, you know, you either had turkey at Christmas and Thanksgiving, or you had a ham at one or the other, so uh, turkey's not a big thing. Stuffing, I always like stuffing. Mm-hmm. Stuffing with gravy. But I think the uh, the dinner roll is for me. But... Since I've met my wife and we spend every Thanksgiving at uh, her parents' house. Right. It's all Pad Thai. It is all Thai food. And Mm -hmm. well, usually, I mean, sometimes they try to go down to the Dillon's and buy one of those giant turkey meals that Dillon's prepares. And then they cook it in peanut oil? No. Oh, okay. It's already cooked. It's all, it's just like they bring it home and they carve it up. It's like a rotisserie turkey. It's like a turkey and you've got, there's a mashed potatoes and a green bean cow. I mean, it's got everything. You pay like 30 bucks or something and you get all that. And we're just like, no, don't do that because we don't want to eat turkey. We, we, you know, we're not going to take it home with us. Just cook regular food. So. My favorite in the last couple of years, I'm like, I don't care what your mom cooks as long as she makes fishball soup. And fishball soup is delicious, and I love it, and I cannot wait. That's that's what Thanksgiving has a, that's what you look forward to. And that's what I look forward to now is no, fishball I mean, soup, because it's a huge bowl. First of all, it's a huge bowl, and it's got the, and the way she makes it, the way my mother-in-law makes it, it's got the fishballs in it, it's got the red pork. Sometimes she'll throw in shrimp, mm-hmm. and sometimes chicken, and it's got chicken broth in it, and then you have either some spinach or some kind of a... Uh, leafy vegetable mm-hmm. and the noodles uh, and then you let that simmer and man you've got a big bowl sometimes broccoli gets thrown in there but you've got a big bowl of that and then I take um, what is that hirachi sauce the uh, the one with the rooster on it the, the hot sauce sriracha the, sriracha that's what sriracha, it is yeah. and they don't think that I can handle hot stuff so when the first time I ever met them 
I like grabbed the bottle and just started squirting it all into the soup. And they're like, no, no, you will die. You will die. And I'm just like, no, this is good. So now I just squirt that stuff in the fishball soup until the broth is bright red. And then just, <laughs> mm, it's Drink. so good. Drink yep. it like blood. It is. It is delicious. So that's, that's my new yeah. uh, holiday favorite is the fishball soup. Mm-hmm. Matthew, what about you? Well, I prefer meat crab when we're talking about uh, <laughs> Thai food. But uh, if, you, if it comes down to it, there are a couple of things that you have to understand is that uh, I'm a very fat man. And as a very fat man, you tend to eat an awful lot. There are a couple of things on, not on this list that would be kind of faves. Um, my mother-in-law makes this thing with it's cheese and rice and broccoli and like onions and things. It's this mixed up cheese, rice. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've had really that before. Good. Yeah. I am a, a big fan of the green bean casserole, especially since uh, now it's tradition that my wife brings the green bean casserole to the family Thanksgiving. It's her job. That's her thing to bring. Bring be- green bean casserole and pickles for some reason. And I'm a, I'm a sucker for corn on the cob. But for me, the winner is always a dinner roll, mm. a really good dinner roll. Because mm-hmm. when I was young, that was what you'd get with lunch. At school, you'd go and oh, you'd yeah, have yeah, whatever yeah. it was, mm-hmm. yeah. and you'd get that one really nice dinner roll. It's like, yeah. ooh, and we never had those at home. We still never have those at home. Bread doesn't keep well at my house. For some reason, it either turns green or disappears while I'm at work. But for me, I chose the dinner roll simply because you get a dinner roll, you slap some butter on it, and you put turkey in it. Yeah. My mother-in-law makes really, really awesome dinner rolls. And then uh, my wife's father makes good turkey, so you stick them together and you eat them, and that's really awesome. And I always have to sit at the kids' table because by have to, I mean I sit at the kids' table on purpose to partially keep the kids out of trouble, but also partially to keep the me out of trouble because I just know if they start having you know, poli- religious yeah. – Well, religious or political discussions will probably ensue, mm. and then I'll open my mouth and – then I'll, you know, get excommunicated and they'll make me, you know, eat in the garage or something. Um, deviled eggs are also yeah. a huge favorite. Oh, my brother-in-law loves deviled eggs. Yeah, you get a good deviled egg in your face, man. You a little can, paprika on that. Yeah, I'm mm. a big fan oh. of deviled eggs, but I haven't been to a lot of Thanksgivings that have them as, as a feature. Oh, man. Really? Every, my my brother-in-law loves them so much, so no matter some. what, we always have to have deviled eggs mm-hmm, at every meal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Kareem No says uh, we make orange rice, which is rice with all the livers and gizzards and neck. For flavor, and then we add lots of paprika to turn it orange. Um, Sounds decent. Bruce Otter says green bean casserole is Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, He's T.S. T.S. Fogg says all of the above. Um, yeah. Leftovers is what said. George W. says. He loves turkey sandwiches. Nothing much. Uh, Russ T. Cat from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada says that because we celebrate Thanksgiving earlier in the year, during the apple harvest season, the best thing is apple pie. Mm-hmm. Um, grandma's says, high. Canadian is apple pie. <laughs> Jim you don't have says, pie on there. Yeah, dude. Pumpkin pie was on there. Oh, that's not real. Uh, grandma's homemade peanut butter fudge is what uh, Jim says. I voted for pumpkin pie, says Josh, but the second favorite is dumplings. My grandmother's sweet potato casserole. I never used to like sweet potatoes until mm-hmm. I was living in Atlanta. Uh, and the uh, go over to the holiday meal, and uh, the mother would make these candied yams yes. that were just like the best. And I was like, good. oh, I never knew that sweet potatoes could taste good because all the other 30 years of eating this stuff has been a foul experience. Mm-hmm. More, please. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they covered it with sugar and marshmallows. By the way, complete aside, the local bar sells sweet potato fries. Oh yeah, with sweet a potato roasted fries are good. marshmallow, roasted marshmallow dipping sauce. Wow, yeah. which is great on the sweet potato fries. Not so much if you accidentally put your onion rings in it. Yeah, Mela says I voted for yams and squash because Thanksgiving is the only time I get to make butternut squash au gratin. No one else in my household will eat it, and it's so good. Squash. That's I how some of our spoilerites uh, commented. It sounds like somebody sat on dinner. Uh, how did the rest of the uh, spoiler nation vote, Matthew? Want some squash? Hell no! 161 votes in, according to my computer, which actually may be in the past, because remember, we are all future people. And the vast majority, the overwhelming majority of the people are trying to fill time while their computer refills and say stuffing. Uh, nearly one in four people, 26%, 20% reading for the turkey, 14% mashed potatoes, pumpkin pie coming in very well, and everything else just kind of glopping up together like yeah. your plate kind of does. I mean, here's here's another uh, thing about me totally being foreign. It probably took me about four or five years before I realized why stuffing was called stuffing. To just stuff it up in there, yeah, the like uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's what is inside the turkey when you cook it. Yeah, so yeah. I was always like, why do they keep serving this weird bready soup yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah. With I with stuff and call it stuffing, stuff. and why why is it so important? And it's like apparently it goes in the turkey. But stuffing is too floral for me. But depends has, on how you make it. Yeah. But is is clearly? I mean, people are like voting for the stuffing. Clearly, it's become so big of a thing. That even if you don't cook your turkey with stuffing in it, mm-hmm. people will you still make just make stuffing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do that. Separately. Yeah, you can make a separate stuffing kind mm-hmm. of thing. And the and thing about stuffing is sometimes you, you can don't make ever rice. just make stuffing. You don't, like, in the middle of April think, you know what I want tonight? You know, there I was a big push. Stuffing. I remember what was in the late 70s, early 80s, there was a, you know, do, do stovetop stuffing instead of potatoes. That mm-hmm. was kind of the big mm-hmm. push to try to get people to eat more stuffing instead of mashed potatoes. And the potato mm-hmm. lobby was like, no! Yeah. Idaho was boycotting uh, Thanksgiving. Idaho. Yeah, Utah. All right, let that us. That is exactly uh, what happens during Thanksgiving. Let us, yes, a lot of that happens. Let us take a quick break. Let's listen to this uh, voicemail, and when we come back, we will talk about fleas. Stick Flea. around. Hey guys, it's Stephen Bauer calling. I just wanted to thank you for your recommendation about Once Upon a Time Machine. I've subtly, subtly hinted to my mother about uh, possibly getting it for me for Christmas, and if she does, I'm going to make sure she uses the Amazon.com link on the Major Spoilers website. I also have a question. I was listening to a podcast on Fringe the other day, and they commented that the episode of Doctor Who last season where they were in the hotel and each room contained one of their worst fears was possibly a nod to the comic series Lock and Key. So I wondered if you guys had any comments on that theory. Have a good day, guys. Thank you so much for that question, Stephen Bauer. And as far as to the question that you are posing, I do not know of any connection between the uh, the Doctor Who episode that uh, the hotel with your worst nightmares and lock and key. I mean, mm-hmm. they both are unlocking doors, but there's no magical key 
that's doing that in, in the Doctor Who episode. So I don't know anything. I, I didn't see anything in my quick scour of the Internet. Yeah, and I, I would say anything other than a vague kind of thing like how somebody might be like, oh, you know, it was cool about the new Star Trek movie that uh, kind of like making a teleport jump while you're trying to calculate other stuff. I'm going to write a movie about teleporting. You know, it, like it, it, yeah, it yeah. had to be like that tenuous of a connection. Yeah. That, that, that was a thing. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that there's any direct connection. I, I certainly didn't catch anything. Nope. Neither did I. All right, Stephen, thank you for your phone call. And remember listeners, if you have any thoughts or comments or you want to contribute to the major spoilers podcast, all you need to do is contact us at our major spoilers hotline. Matthew, that number is. 785-727-1939, the major spoilers, slightly overstuffed hotline. Man, what it, it's like before Thanksgiving and you're saying you're overstuffed. What are you going to be on yeah. Thanksgiving? It's He will eat so much on Thanksgiving that it'll ripple backwards and forwards in, in time. time. He'll, he'll be like... Well, it should also be noted that I'll be working uh, He'll be like Veruca Salt and morning, have to roll so her out down the hallway. Matthew, you're blowing up like a blueberry. Uh, all right, listeners, the holidays are almost upon us. Black Friday. Mm-hmm. You want a quick stocking stuffer? Then you might want to check out a pair of tweaked audio headphones from our friends at tweakedaudio.com. They've got uh, four different styles. You've got the Tweak California, the Tweak Classic, the Tweaked Parkour, and the uh, Tweak Natural. That's a wood one. Uh, they got a lot of different colors. You can get a microphone if you want to. They're designed to sound great for music and talk. They're engineered for durability. And when you check out at tweakedaudio.com and you enter the code MAJOR, you get 30% off the price. That's a great way to buy a lot of stocking stuffers for your friends for the holidays. Tweakedaudio.com, we thank them for their support. Oh, that's Zach uh, twittering in right now saying, I'm drunk. Oh my God, I didn't know I could drink this much alcohol on a boat. <laughs> I'm on a boat! And he actually tweeted 140 characters of... <laughs> I didn't think he would uh, get it all in there. Yeah, he's a... Uh, Why would they stop to carve out art? He said, uh, he tweeted me, what an insightful point into this topic. And might I add, your beard looks excellent today. It does. You uh, you trimmed it up there for the yeah, holidays. Yeah, I did, I did. You doing anything special for the holidays? I'm going to uh, go with my girlfriend to see her family. Aha! Because they, they actually uh, live in this state. Girl, That's right. Friend. That's right. Yes. Quote, unquote, imaginary. I, yes. I'm I've by, met her. And and by that I do mean going to um the Wild West Gentlemen's Club in Salina. Is it <laughs> is that what it's called? There's like I forget one, which one it is. One big yeah, strip club in Salina West, as you yeah. go into the town. Yeah. Scroll Brian call in and tell us what the strip club <laughs> I think, is called. I think I saw somebody wearing a a sweatshirt today when I was going into the serves mm-hmm. that had Wild West Gentlemen's Club on the back. So. Why West sweatshirt? That somehow makes it more gross. I don't know because I was like, oh, Wild West what? Because I thought maybe it was like something, well, Wild that, West and, Fest yeah, or something and, and like Hayes, that. there's a Wild West Fest. And then I took a greater look at it and I was like, oh, all right then. All right. Is wish that I, place I wish I hadn't the, uh, gotten so close to this man. <laughs> with that picture of the old uh, squeezy horn on it called Hooters or Honkers or whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah, I know the place. Rigby Pinkerton was your average bug exterminator stuck in a dead-end job and living with his plastic surgery-addicted mom. Uh, but when two warring alien races crash land at his backyard and a new sexy neighbor moves in next door, Rigby has no other choice but to step up and be the hero he never knew he was. Flee this week. Flee. Flee. 
It's a it's a it's a double entendre. It's a book, that's for sure. Yep. It's a double entendre is what it is because the 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 flee as a verb refers to running away, which there's a lot of that in the book. Mm-hmm. And of course, flee spelled the, differently. The teeny tiny insect is something that is small and insignificant and perhaps even unnoticed. So, I mean, it definitely has it it has um what do you call that thing? Duality resonance. Yes. In the title. So deep off in space, we see two warring empires, the krill mm-hmm. and the sex. And the sex look a lot like insects. Sect. Get it? They just call themselves the sect. Yeah, get it? Sect. Insect. Right. Yeah. Yes. And the krill, which look like, like a bunch like of shrimp. shrimp. And they uh, have this, the <laughs> sect have this, uh, this uh, orb of all knowledge that they mm-hmm. must protect. The and uh, they must flee. power. They must flee. So one guy and his uh, wise cracking robot mm-hmm. flee from the krill horde. They crash land in a strange planet that has been deemed off limits. Yeah. How long did it take you before you said, oh, wait a minute. These guys are going to be the size of real insects. Oh, it took me oh, until well, was... I saw it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I didn't see that coming. I was too distracted by the fact that their orb of power is the Wikipedia. <laughs> Might very well be. Uh, so this battle takes place in, like in Rigby's backyard, mm-hmm. and yeah. unlike the solicitation, this uh, this book really isn't about Rigby or his sexy neighbor or his barely, plastic surgery addicted mom. Who there's no mention of plastic surgery addicted mom. Well, I mean, you mom can tell. You can tell she's had work done to her face the way she's drawn. Yeah, and her boobs. Yeah, since she's. The the mother of a man who is clearly in his thirties. So uh, whatever the head sect uh, guy is and his robot flick, right? Flick, flick, fleeting. And that, by the way, we'll we'll get to that in a minute because there's something I need to say about that. Go ahead, go ahead. Flick is that's where they lost me. Flick, flee. It's page twelve of the story, and the name of the character five. is Flick, which is the character, the lead character from the movie A Bug's um, Life. A Bug's Life. And I'm out at that point because you cannot – that would be like having this be a, a Star Wars-type riff and having the main character be named Captain Kirk. You can't do that. You immediately destroy the illusion of this reality by having this character. Well, maybe for Bugs, that's a pretty insult. common name, kind of like John Smith. I, I would maybe it is. I would say that despite the fact that they're dealing with creatures that breathe through spiracles – that was a little too much on the nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was very, very nicely done, by the way. It was that was the point where I just kind of went, ooh, ooh, problem. And, you know, throughout that first portion of the story, when we're seeing Flick's side of the the war and we're seeing the fighty fighty and we're seeing the um slight punctuation errors here and there, which do bother me a little bit, but I can kind of live with it. You get to a point where I really sat and I thought this would work for me if it weren't for the fact that the protagonist is named Flick. Any other name, I think, might have gotten me to the point where I could sit and I could go, okay, I see what they're going for here. I see this is interesting. Uh, even though they're they're flying Queen Amidala's battleship from uh, Revenge of the Clones, I can get past that. But the 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 naming of the main character is very problematic, and it really threw me – it threw me out of the story immediately, and it made it difficult to re-engage. 
so the uh, the aliens have basically not taken light, uh, taken uh, root or nest in uh, Rigby's backyard as much as they have in his sexy new single mom mm-hmm. neighbor's backyard, who she doesn't like him for whatever reason. He really hasn't done anything. Because he's, a, he's an idiot. No, he's really he not. Is, he is a prototypical... When she first when, when she first meets him, loser. no. When she first meets him, there's nothing that says that he's a troublemaker. The thing where he climbs up on his roof and she's at night and she's uh, trying to sunbathe in the backyard, and you know the satellite dish or whatever that he's playing with explodes. That's not his they, fault. But everyone in the neighborhood is. His dog attacks her child, and it doesn't. That's the thing. It doesn't. It, it, but but, but they do play. It does. But they do play Rigby up as a complete idiot from that point forward. They play Rigby up as a complete idiot. He is a butt monkey from page one. He trips on his shoelaces and falls in the trash. Well, who he is, is that? He is the Uber who, schlub. Who hasn't that happened to? Me. Spider-Man. And I am, in fact, a, a schlub. Well, I mean, you're the one that says, "Oh, I missed the chair the other day when I was sitting down." I mean, and so, I mean, those to? kinds of things happen, right? I mean, so who doesn't trip over their shoelaces? I mean, I don't because I don't have shoes with shoelaces. Um, but I think. Do they goes, ever say where from, these guys live? What? The, yeah, New Mexico, Albuquerque. Uh, okay, that makes That's sense. That's why there's a cactus in the we, backyard. Okay, when we meet Rigby, he is coming home from his dead-end schlubby job as the repo men have come to take half of his stuff, including half of his aquarium and the fish that he loves. Mm-hmm. They set him up as a as an unrealistically Well, we don't know what he did. We don't know what he did before he was a uh, exterminator. Okay, hang on, hang on. I figured out why the mom is so upset. Why? Okay, if you go to, uh, I don't know what page this is. Page thirty nine, okay. um, at least in the in the PDF that we were okay. sent. Um, so he comes in, and that's when the dog uh, uh, like jumps on the kid, right? Right. But she is coming out with a pizza for the for the movers, mm-hmm. right? So she's like, "Hey, cute mover guy, I got you a pizza." Also, look at how tight my shirt is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. She was clearly yeah. trying to hit on the mover or shoot a porno, <laughs> um, and he interrupted. And it. the pizza and the dog got in the way. I see. Right, and the yeah. dog is drawn to very much resemble a a bulldog or pit bull, which you know it could be seen as a problem. It you know she's freaking out like the dog is attacking her son. A strange animal just leapt on her child. I can see her being upset. I can also see her being some sort of alien with a facial expression. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to argue. <laughs> and she apparently shaved off her eyebrows and drew them back in with a Sharpie. Um, so the alien battle takes place in, in her backyard and uh, Rigby has to go and fight it. And he fights him with extermination gas, a flamethrower, and finally a bat. And that's where, it, I mean, just he just becomes more and more and more ridiculous. He's almost like a Rick Moranis character. Almost? Yeah. No. Uh, butt monkey. Utter yeah. butt monkey. Yeah. There are no redeeming qualities about him that I can find, and he, I wanted to like him. He tries hard. You know who else tries hard? Donald Trump. Yeah, but he's also a butt monkey, so. There you go. Okay, so there's a big uh, thing, and 
there are some really entertaining parts of this. I really do kind of like the fact that the Earthlings are never entirely aware of the multi-level battle for creation taking place right, in right, their right. backyard. Right. That's pretty interesting to me. Rodrigo? We're talking about things that are interesting? Yeah. Uh, hmm. I like, I really like the design of the, like, Super Prawn or Super Crow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially cool. on the cover of, I want to say, issue the two silver or fish. three. Yeah. Yeah. Where he's all like, rawr, I am a killer shrimp. That's kind of awesome. I, I am Pepe the Prawn. Yes, okay. I, I spank you like a bad, bad donkey, okay? <laughs> Is there anything not good about it that you didn't like, Rodrigo? Oh, there's lots of things that I didn't like Please, about it. Please share. Um, I thought, I th- I felt that, and I think this was done on purpose to be, so you could be like, what? But there's a massive tonal shift in the yeah, there is in the book, and it's not in a and it's not in the right direction. Uh, sometimes when you're reading a story, say for example, a story about a little kid cowboy who's going around uh, capturing members of his old own family, things start out funny and then they get serious. Right. In this book, it goes the other way around. Mm-hmm. Things start out serious. People are dying and yeah, dropping, yeah. and you know there's a massive space battle. And then you're like, oh, but they are tiny bugs. And now they're going to ride around on a bee and shoot things. And they've armored and, it up. Yeah. And there's and there's this uh, chubby guy, and he's having problems with a hot girl, and he doesn't know if he's going to be able to ask her to the prom. <laughs> Pretty, Pretty much, much that in a nutshell. So, I mean, that was, that was a big issue for me. Um, a lot of things about this felt too familiar, too much of a direct reference like matthew said the fact that the main character's name is flick i also immediately thought yeah, i didn't catch this on is that. the character just, from a bug's life yeah. um the mean robot mm-hmm. literally calls them meat bags right. which is what hk47 calls everybody in yeah. knights of the old republic yeah who and he yep. all he is is a mean robot that's his shtick mm-hmm. so seeing a, a character who's a mean robot who uses the exact same catchphrase as another yeah, in the same robot. way Bender does the same thing. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he Bender says, bags. Well, yes, but yeah. he also says you're pending for a bending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Bender has, you know, some meat bags that he likes. Right. And Bender is a parody of robots. Right. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, uh, art? Inconsistent. There is a sequence where the hot neighbor shows up after the hot neighbor has shown up, and I don't, I literally could not tell for sure that it was meant to be the same girl. And I'm not just talking, you know, oh, well, yeah, different panel, different angle, whatever. It's, no, her face it, is it, completely different. Her face, her body, the, the very dimensions of her frame are completely different. And I thought, oh, well, maybe this is a different hot girl. And he's given up on the hot girl. No, no, this is the same hot girl. Um there are some really great portions to the art. Like uh, Rodrigo's uh, call on the, the krill, their spaceships are awesome. Mm-hmm. The the moment where they armor up the armored wasp and the wasp is like flying around and being all, oh, look at me, I'm a cyber wasp. Yeah, yeah. That's really awesome. Technologically, there are some really entertaining moments as far as when they're when he's drawing robots and monsters and things. But there are also references there in that um, the evil mean robot who talks just like H.K. Wells 47, his head is 
literally it's the lower half of Optimus Prime's cartoon head with the upper half of Megatron's cartoon head. Mm-hmm. It, it I mean it's it's a composite of Megatron and Optimus Prime's faces which don't get me wrong I don't have a problem with a reference. I make references literally constantly. I'm making a reference right now and you don't know what it is. But the point of a reference is to reference another work and go, hey, this work is awesome. It's not to reference another work and say, hey, my work is awesome because I'm referencing this this same thing or because this is meant to evoke that. Um, as far as the bugs go, I would say that this is probably the most talented artist in terms of bugs, both real and alien, that I have seen in comics. Because, I mean, the bit where the millipede shows up and Indiana Jones has a field day and the giant wasps and the bees and the ants, all really well rendered. Rodrigo, art thoughts? Um, I will will agree that it's inconsistent. Um, I wasn't crazy about the style in general. And again, I think that partially because the book never finds its place tonally, like the Mm -hmm. the story itself, Mm -hmm. the art also has problems with that is like how exaggerated should people's faces be how exaggerated should the aliens faces be in the second half of the book where the tone has changed completely you know mm-hmm. um i did like some stuff where it's like oh that uh when they put their helmets on they look kind of like a common writer or you know again yeah. a, a lot of like the little visual like oh i know what that's supposed to be referencing or oh that reminds yeah. me of something that i like but that's kind of all this book has going for it is those references as the book continues and in the especially especially in the third and fourth chapter there's a real visual i want to i want to call it an homage to uh, the work of jim starlin which is great i love the work of jim starlin but it doesn't necessarily complement what they've set up in the story it's as though they started cartoony and then moved into that that Starlin realm. And as the book goes on, as the art gets more serious looking, the story gets kind of goonier. Well, the um, art and the story don't really mesh. As we go in, I'm just doing a double check here. Um, as I'm looking at all of the yeah the art the artists change from issue to issue yeah that's what i that, that's what I thought yeah the artists uh, literally change from issue to issue i gotta say i I won't say that I hated this book, but I will say i I like this I did not like this a whole bunch um didn't care for the story, didn't care for the art, didn't care for the characters, didn't care for the situation. I felt like this is a really good first draft of a shortened pitch for a kid's uh, either animated TV series or a kids movie, movie. like CG and live action. Yeah, like uh, like that G Force. Right. Yeah, that G Force movie with right. the, the the gerbils, with the gerbils and the gerbil technology. Yes, and that guy who kind of looked like gay Batman. Yes, exactly. That's what this felt like a good pitch for. Mm-hmm. As a comic book, I gotta say, I can't recommend this. I really can't. I I didn't. I mean, I guess maybe if you're into bugs, maybe mm-hmm. this is cool for you. Uh, I didn't, uh, you know, the the sexy next door neighbor in the art style. And again, you know, everyone's going to have a different idea of what is, is good art. I didn't find any of the art pleasing. I didn't find any of the characters attractive to look at, either mm-hmm. both from the technological side, the, the insect side, or from the human side. 
Um, it just was not appealing to me. None of it. And uh, I'm glad it was uh, only four issues because if it went any longer, I probably would have not finished the book. Rodrigo? Uh, there are little things. Eh, there are little things in this book that are likable, but <laughs> they are floating around in a pretty mediocre soup. Unfortunately. H- had you felt like if this had gone through maybe some heavier editing uh, or, um, you know, uh, some more f- uh, story yeah. refinement that this could have been a really good book? I think I think I would have, if I was the editor for this or if I was some kind of script-style doctor for this, I would have been like, look, booby, baby, whatever those guys say. Hey. Hey. Hey, you. Look. Hey. Look, no. Look, no. Look, not, not Italian. Look, Raph. No. Um, I can call him that because we're friends. Right. He's um, right. And he's paying me for this. Um, exactly. I would skip the whole first part of the book, start out with the war in the backyard, um, yeah. and have the exterminator not be really a character until much later, have him be a huge inconvenience for both sides of the war. Right. And basically set up, like draw out where the camps are between these two yards or maybe Mm -hmm. the whole neighborhood. Right. Mm -hmm. And then make that, make that the book, which is what the book wanted to be. Yeah. And what are the hazards in this area? Like snakes. It's it's a war book. There are snakes, all kinds of crazy bugs because they're in Arizona. And that's why I wanted to know because I was like, holy crap, are there a lot of yeah, like dangerous like, animals there's here? There's rattlesnakes and then there's a right. scorp- black scorpion. So that's, so that's cool. That um, and then be like, yeah, okay, what is, what's the native fauna? What are the people like? Come up with characters who live in this neighborhood who are dangerous to both sides and how they deal with it. And it allows you to set up your you know, wartime deus ex machina where it's the uh, tyrannosaurus that saves you from the raptors kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then just do that. And then later on, as as the story goes by, say that, oh, here's how these guys ended up here and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like, just do that. That's what I would say. That's, that's, that's I think, what this story wanted to be. Matthew? Well, there are, there are four aspects upon which one would need to focus to make this a really successful book. Primarily, nomenclature. You cannot have a character named Rigby Pinkerton because Rigby Pinkerton is clearly made up by Stephanie McMahon and or ridiculous. Now, I understand what you're going for. The name Rigby Pinkerton is designed to set up the expectation that we're dealing with a schlub. That's the second thing we need to focus on. The main character, or at least the main human protagonist, needs to be someone that we can at least identify, much less identify with. And Rigby is such an over-the-top loser that I don't want him to win if there is supposed to be a battle of of nature or the unseen thing where at the end he gets the girl because he secretly helped to end an intergalactic war if that's the case you got to give me something to like third and this is something that you know i think is probably an overarching i won't say problem it's not a problem necessarily but an overarching issue that affects my appreciation of this is the dialogue is so wooden and so leaden we really need to to take a moment and punch up that dialogue and give me something where i know this is flick talking because flick is you know if flick is is i don't know 
Sergeant Bilko in space. He's a fast talking con man trying well, to and pass Well, but see, off. he goes from this, oh, I'm no. not a very good soldier, and then suddenly he's well, but, being a but, soldier. But he doesn't. It's actually, it bounces back and forward. It's like all of a sudden yeah. he remembers that he's a schmuck halfway yeah. through yeah. the book. It's an informed attribute. We don't see him being a schmuck. He tells us that he's just some schmuck. And if he's going to be some schmuck, then give us something that really sticks to it. Give us something with Rigby and Rigby's mom or, you know, the hot neighbor or even the, the most developed character in terms of a voice is the Krill. The, the Krill monster guy who starts out as an enemy and then almost kind of isn't. Right. Works for me. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a strong moment in the book, right? That, yeah, it that, is. But that, then it just kind of, it's like there and it's like, okay. Well, yeah. See you later. Like, whoop, we're done. But, but, and that's okay because it was an action scene. Right. But, yeah. and you don't, and you don't want it to turn into yet another riff of any, like, you know, you don't want it to, on top of being a Star Wars and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids riff to also be an yeah. enemy mind rift. If right. I, and there's, I mean, there's a riff in here on arachnophobia and a little bit of eight legged freaks. But more importantly, and that's, I mean, that's the last thing that you need to focus on. It is great. It is necessary to have influences. It is necessary to have things that you love that you want to reference and or homage and talk about. But you have to make sure that the references serve a point as something other than just a reference in the middle of your story. If you have hmm. a character who's meant to be your take on AK 47, I don't know his name. Yeah. You Robot want guy. to. Yeah, you want to do something with that Knights of the Old Republic character. You want to do something with this character who could be Rigby could be Peter Venkman. He's literally a Peter Venkman archetype. He's a kind of a schlubby guy. He's not necessarily your your expected guy to be the protagonist, but he's the protagonist who's expected to get the hot girl. He's the one who gets the romantic subplot. Even if you if you imagine Rigby as played by Bill Murray, with some really good dialogue, you could put this story together and have it be something really special, really awesome. Right. So that's the that's the other thing is uh, you can, in fact, you know, there, there was my that, that thing that I said where you could uh, just make it all about the bugs. You can actually flip that around and make it all about this guy who has yeah. this turf war of ridiculous bugs and he's trying right. to keep that together right but then you have to defocus from the bugs yes there are two factions yes one of them can look like grasshoppers and the other one can look like shrimp that's cool that's not a problem but it has to be about him trying to contain it and him probably at this point you have to be like okay he's going to figure out what's going on he's going to figure out that they're aliens but he can't tell people that they're aliens because they're going to think he's crazy. Hot chick just moved next door. He needs to ask her out. You know, the mortgage is due, the promise tomorrow. What's he going to do? Right. And then turn it into that. I would say exactly. that uh, if I were the editor, I would say uh, go and watch a bunch of episodes of Sectars and the Transformers and no. go. <laughs> no. Well, that's, that's, that's what's happening here, though. That is that's what a, this that's is. exactly that's what is problem. happening here. But it's not. It's not even that. It's not well, even no, that because it's because it's it's everything that's superficial about Transformers and about Honey yeah. I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, and about and and not and not and not what is important about all yeah. of those, which is potentially robots punching each other in the face. I lost yeah. what I was going at here, but yeah. um, you yeah. can even have the two stories on parallel tracks where no, one can't. story is work. the story of a normal yes you can it could not be in this book done. i don't okay hang on 
could implies the expectation that theoretically it could be done. You can have a story of an everyday guy trapped in events that he doesn't understand and an epic space war taking place without him ever even knowing about it and successfully work it together. But you have to make both sides of that equation First of all, equally important or at the very least, you know, intertwined in the story in such a way that you care about Rigby's struggles with brokenness and the hot girl next door and Captain Flick's problems as the interstellar, uh, you know, savior of the bug race. But the primary things you have to do there go back to you need you need solid dialogue. You need to really hone that story. You can't have a butt monkey and a guy who tells us he's a loser over and over and can't commit to being the hero and get to the end of the book. I kind of like the fact that the story ends the way it does. Yeah. No, the ending, the ending was good. Like that actual last, the actual last page of the book is actually really good. Yeah. For a lot of reasons, you know, there's like the two space heroes sitting there. It's like, well, we just saved the universe. Now we got to wait for a dog to poop. That's strong. I like that. Um, It's, probably that actually that far away shot of Rigby talking to the chick. It's like one of the best fat guys I've seen in comics in a long time. That actually looks like an actual fat guy who could be a real person talking to a hot chick who could be a real person with his horrible mother in the foreground. One of the few shots in the entire book where Rigby actually looks realistic. Stomachs don't work the way that Rigby's stomach works in the first couple of chapters. Bottom line for me, did not like it. Skip it. I would. I'm gonna give this one a skip. There are just not enough redeeming factors uh, to it. Yeah. Matthew, there are a lot of things here that want to be wonderful. I too am going to have to, and you know, it it breaks my heart. I don't want to feel like I'm shooting an independent creator in the foot, but this is not going to be this. This is not the thing to rocket to superstardom. There's a lot of potential here. There's some, I'd say, five or six really great bits here. But every one of them has four or five echoes that just don't work. I would have to say skip. Yeah. And, and you know, we talk about this a lot. Is, you know, when you're an independent creator, when you're making your own comics, um, you are are competing against the entire comic book industry. Right. You are competing against the big boys. So you have you really have to bring it. And sometimes uh, it don't get wrong. Yeah. You know, and I will say that when we go into these reviews, we don't talk ahead of time on likes or dislikes on anything. Right, right. It's just like, yep. hey, here's something that could be interesting. And of course, from the solicitation, mm-hmm. you say, hey, this yep. could be interesting. Everybody, let's read it next week for the for the book. And then we read it and then we come back and we share our thoughts. So this is not an attack on anybody or anything. Yeah. This is just and, all of our reactions. And and look, in the past... Matthew could have loved this and I still yeah. would have hated it. In the past, you guys have heard, uh, at least me specifically, just tear a book apart and, and, and kind of be kind of rough about it like i didn't want to do that to this book there's stuff there's a lot of stuff here that i wanted to like it's just mm-hmm. kind of not there yet i get like you yeah. said it's it feels like a first or second draft and it just needs to be seriously refined but there's something here yeah yeah and i i totally agree with that i think that what this is is you know a, a group of young creators at least a couple of young creators doing something that they really feel strongly for that they feel enthusiastic about and the enthusiasm has kind of overridden a little bit of you know some of the polish some of what uh, uh, i don't want to say a maturity but at least kind of a sophistication in terms of the craft 
that's something that comes with time. That's something that comes with putting out the book. Getting four issues to the stands, that's the first part of the battle. So I, you know, I don't feel like this is the book that's really going to rocket any of these people to stardom, but I'm not going to say that two months from now they couldn't have an idea that's the next Star Wars. So, you know, that's, that's where we want to be. That's why we want to see books like this. And that's why even though this one isn't necessarily the most successful independent book I've read this week, I'm still going to read more independent books. I'm going to read more non-independent books. We're going to keep going, hey, look at this. It's a comic book because we're awesome because we love comics and we know you do too. All right, buddy, that wraps it up this week, this issue. Thank you so much for downloading and listening and being part of the Major Spoilers Experience next week. We're going to be asking the question, who is Jake Ellis? Why? Because we know that you like to ask questions, and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com, and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Yes, I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as that comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. Yeah, what a major spoiler. Hulking green or gray I could just buzz through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little me would deal With all those tanks and bombs and guns Have you ever tried to read a series With all that going on Guess I need to rethink this plan How would I bag and board my comics With such huge hands Guess I already told ya What a major spoiler surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to keep up on all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being caught up in a fun bee in the Middle East with a king set throwing soldier. Spoilers is copyright 2012.